This episode of the Mayfair Theater Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Podcast. There's over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Podcast. Get a free audiobook on us today. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mayfair Theater Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Mel. I'm Josh. We just had harrowing technical difficulties, so we're going to carefully sit around this dying microphone and uh, hope that it doesn't die out on us halfway through. And I will be thinking about how much it's going to cost me to either fix it or replace it. <laughs> Is that a warranty still? Does it have a warranty probably, or something? Oh, probably not. Uh, I've had it for like four years, but I don't know. It kind of sounded like we were stuck in a well, which... Or at, at an arena. At an arena, <laughs> which could have worked fine. This is the We're Stuck in a Well edition yeah. of the Maver Theatre podcast. Send snacks. Uh, yesterday, yeah, send snacks. <laughs> yesterday, we, we were doing this a day late, because yesterday evidently was hashtag podcast day. podcast day, which I never heard about before. No, me neither. I just saw it on Facebook. I think somebody made it up. There's, there's days for everything. Yeah. There yeah. was coffee day. Yeah. Well, we just did Batman day at the Mayfair. Batman day. I think if you hashtag a day. What, what's today? Today's got to be something. Something day. It's Thursday. Is it? Is it? Um, it's a, whatchamacallit, throwback Thursday. Everyone has to put yeah. old photos of themselves on the internet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then tomorrow's follow Friday. The, um, I called it throwback Friday. Throwback Friday. <laughs> Do, uh. Meaning, if you had if you had a fro, you have to get it again, grow it back, grow it back. I just like post a photo of your fro. Your fro. That's not gonna work for me. <laughs> me neither. Man, but uh, it was my friend's fortieth birthday last weekend. My friend Fred and his wife managed to throw a surprise party, which was a miracle because none of us can keep secrets and are horrible liars. But she unearthed some photos, some actual like printed on paper photos of us back in the day. Nice. And one is three of us standing in front of his parents' house on Homewood Avenue before Lansdowne happened. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like an alternate universe. Like, it's the three of us in, like, the late 90s, I think. Whoa. But it's, you know, so there's no townhouses there. So from their front porch, you can basically see the cattle castle. Whoa. And Whoa. And on a sliding scale of embarrassment, none of us look too horrible. Like, none of us are wearing, like, you know, it's not like 1980 style or something like that, but... But I was like, where did, it's amazing, like, where already photos don't seem like they should exist on paper. Yeah. It's like, oh, photos are those things in your phones, right? But, but uh, yeah, and, and so it's, it's interesting seeing old stuff like that when everything is digital nowadays. I'm having trouble finding Mayfair photos now, and I'm thinking somebody must have old photos of the Mayfair um, but even if, if you come to the theater, like in our slideshow presentation, we've only got like two a or handful. three. Yeah. And you think there would be dozens and dozens out there somewhere. I keep on meaning to, when I have a spare moment, like, which I never do, is to go to the library and see if go mm. through their old, like, whatchamacallit files, the, um, periodicals. Yeah. Well, if you go on Google, there's a, there's a Google archive. You can, you can find, um, 
online periodicals of the Ottawa Citizen. Oh, they might. And have you them. can find old newspaper ads for, you know, the Mayfair oh, cool. movie, movie, old movie listings. I gotta do that. That's where Ian posted a photo of Mayfair from like 1976 or something like that when it was still a porn theater. Yeah, no, that was me. Oh, that was you. Yeah. Oh, I thought Ian did that. Cool. Like, and so that's what you did. Yeah. You just went to. Um, yeah, you just go on. It's like a Google thing, nice. Google News oh, or something. That's awesome. I want to get, like, all of the old... Man, we, we were renovating my mom's new house years ago when we were moving her in, and tearing out the floor was, like, this, like, going back in time. Oh, my God. Like, 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 like the way they figure out how old the earth is by the different kinds of dirt. So it was, like, really bad, like, tile. And then they just kept building on top of it. So if, like, the ratio from ceiling to floor once upon a time was, like, 15 feet... Now it was like 13 because yeah. they just kept doing that. Well, same with like, uh, then uh, you you have to take off like centimeters or inches for wallpaper because yeah. they did the same with wallpaper. And way down was 1940s newspaper used as flooring, which I don't think is allowed. I'm, uh, I'm not a construction guy, but I don't know if well, that... Well, they used to use that for insulation and in between the walls and stuff like that, but uh, it's not okay yeah. anymore. And, and some of it, we have it somewhere. It's at my mom's house, but it was like the entertainment pages and it was just the amount of theaters in Ottawa. Yeah. And it was all like these cool, it was all like the era of like kind of Westerns and monster movies. So it was all these like, this playing at this theater, this Godzilla. playing at that theater. And so that was cool. The other cool thing was like, like a four bedroom apartment in Sandy Hill for $25 oh a month. Oh my God. And I know that inflation is inflation and it's just like, yeah, but back then people were getting paid a dollar an hour or whatever, but still to see that, and it really was, it was like, it was like 25 or $35 a month for like a three bedroom apartment. In the city. Wow. Now that's not so much. No. <laughs> and um, what was it? Oh, yeah, the um, Mayfair Corrections Department. Last <laughs> week, I totally said that our double bill of Shining and Exorcist was going to be 35 millimeter, but I think that's been corrected. Oh. My, my, my theory on that is I think maybe our programmer kind of, because we've done that double bill before. Yeah. I think he probably just cut and pasted from his records yeah. and then emailed to me. But that has been corrected now. It is, in fact, DCP. Yeah, because that shining print was pretty rough. Yeah, it, and it's the blessing and the curse of film. Like, film is so much fun to watch, but unfortunately, but, yeah. sometimes it's on its last legs. Snow scenes should be white, not pink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So these will be nice DCP digital versions of the films. And Shining is The Shining. I don't think there's a special edition of The Shining, but Exorcist is the theatrical cut, so the original... Mm -hmm version not one of the and ever remarketed versions yeah after peeking in on cooties last night i'm really excited for halloween man i forgot that like i'm so glad that to kick off the halloween season i forgot that cooties was actually um sneaking over to october 1st yeah because we premiered it september 20 whatever mm -hmm. um so yeah it's so much fun that that somebody was like oh is it okay to start off my Halloween season early? One of our one of our Twitter folks, and I was like, "Yeah, you can come tonight." It was last Friday, and I said, "Yeah, come tonight to watch Cooties." Yeah. And so now we have Cooties wrapping up its run tonight on October first. So it's a good way to kind of kick off your Halloween season. Yeah. There's various hashtags floating around Twitter of like people watching like a horror movie a day or doing that kind of thing. So I was like, "We can help you out with that because we have like." Half a dozen movies, yeah. at least so far, that you could come and come and watch at the Mayfair for Halloween. Well, there's even a Christmas one that we've got, uh, Christmas Horror Story. Oh, that's gonna be so good. 
with uh, William Shatner, which, which, which makes it even scarier. Yeah. And William Shatner and uh, the monster from Pan's Labyrinth, it looks like. I, I th- yeah, it does. The I think cramp- we're like Krampus? Narnia. So that's Krampus. Okay. Which is, I, I got to look this up. I, I, I forget if he's Danish or, or Swiss, but it's, it's, Santa Claus mythology is amazing. Because yeah. it ranges from, from Coca-Cola Santa, which is what we have, to... Um, Just the scariest thing like ever? scary beating of children and yeah. kidnapping and stuff. And so Krampus, if I remember correctly, is that. Like, if you're... Eats bad children? Or yeah, something? if you're good, Santa comes. And if you're bad, Santa, uh, Krampus comes and, like, beats you and takes you away from your parents, I think. And so in this movie... He's like Freddy versus Jason, but Santa versus Krampus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's an anthology, and, and what Shatner is is the bridge between the shorts. Okay. So he's a late-night radio host at Christmas... And I, I don't know, he's either taking calls or just telling stories. So this is the closest I will ever get to watching Rescue 911 ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Christmas out. The holiday version. Yeah. And the cool thing is, and I apologize, I forget his name at the moment, but the writer of one of the shorts is from Ottawa. And he popped Whoa. up on Twitter and he said that it was so amazing that we're showing this. So I contacted him and I said, he better be coming out. if there's any chance that you're going to be in the neighborhood, please let us know and come by and say hello. So yeah. he's going to keep us posted and... Uh, if he is in the neighborhood, we'll have one of the awesome. writers of the film drop by. And he's, uh, and I was reading his bio. He's like an Ottawa guy, and he went to the um, Canadian Film Center and did a bunch of short films. And this is like, he's got two horror films out currently, and this is one of them. So that's always fun. I, I always love it when when the creators, when the people, the crew kind of pop up and say, Mayfair is cool. I did this, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, and this should be cool because I love anthology films. Uh, so we've got two of them. We've got Tales of Halloween and yeah, like Christmas, Christmas horror, story. horror Story. Yeah, and and it's like, you know, the the I don't, what was the first Creep Show? Does Creep Show count? I mean, there's a lot of those probably. Or no, Tales of Terror. I Tales think. of Terror. A lot of TV stuff. The one with the creepy puppet or the creepy. Little oh yeah, that was really scary. Because like tons of TV stuff. Because there was like mm-hmm. Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock presents, but then like um, uh, Tales from the Crypt. So there's been all kinds of anthology on TV, but then in whatever the first one was, they actually experimented with it theater style, which is weird because it's almost just like getting a bunch of short films. Mm-hmm. And now it seems to be making a bit of a comeback because we've had a couple of ABCs of Death, VHS. And VHS, and now this Tales of Halloween. And what's cool about it is if the franchise works, it's, I wouldn't say nothing's easy, but easier to do than another feature because you're compiling a bunch of shorts. And especially with, um, like, I think VHS is up to its third one, ABCs is two, and so this Tales of Halloween, I'm sure the intent is to be, do uh, one of these, ongoing. make it a franchise. Yeah. I mean, that's what Grindhouse was supposed to be, but then it didn't make money. <laughs> and uh, man, like Grindhouse, that was their pitch, was like once every two or three years, yeah. they would come out with a Grindhouse double bill, and it was going to be directed by Edgar Wright, directed by Rob Zombie, directed by Eli Roth. Yeah. Which is really too bad. Oh, my God. Because I those, had those fun are, watching them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked it, too. But sometimes those are just better as trailers anyway. Yeah. 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 But I would pay full price to see the Rob Zombie, Nick Cage starring Nazi <clears throat> werewolf movie. Well, the, the Edgar Wright one was my favorite. Yeah. Don't? Don't. Yeah. yeah. That was probably, like, the most authentic looking. Trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's funny. And then Hobo with his Shotgun. Was Hobo yeah. with his Shotgun. <laughs> and there's, there's another... Oh, the, um, the... So not that franchise, but the, 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 the vampire one from VHS Part 1. There's a really good short, and I think VHS, its fault was it 
it put its best short, in my opinion, first. Mm. And the first short was about three horrible guys with like a webcam trying to basically um, Bill Cosby a girl in a bar. Oh, God. Oh, God. Here we go. Too soon? Is that how loud? But then okay, yeah. the twist, like many a horror film, is the, the, the young woman strikes back. But in this case, she's a vampire. And the actress playing her, I thought was just, um, she had these yeah, I, I saw big eyes, and she was all like kind of quaint and humble, but you knew something horrible was about to happen. Yeah. And then she just, you know, spoiler, <laughs> decimates these guys. And, it, and <clears throat> even though sometimes found footage can be a bit annoying, it was done really well and really scary because... Like the guy had a camera in his in his glasses, mm-hmm. and so you got this real like crazy point of view th- oh, thing. Like- so that is being turned into a full movie. I'm sure not found footage style with the same actress, and okay. and so there's gonna be this cool vampire spinoff from. Who's playing Bill Cosby? Oh yeah! I don't, oh man, <laughs> Malcolm Jamal Warner. Oh, <laughs> Nobody's ever wearing wearing uh, Google glasses. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so Whoa. sad. It's the first thing that came to my head. I couldn't help it. The ones with the springs on them? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, there's yeah. another set of, I guess, like anthologies. Well, The Three Extremes. I don't know if you guys have ever heard Oh, yeah. Them. The Japanese. Yeah, they're not Apparently like... Apparently it's very good. I haven't seen it. I have both. Those are, they, have a, they came out with the second one. The second one is not super great. I really, really liked the first one, though, even though the stories are, you know, whatever they are. Anyway, yeah. I'll lend it to you. I will never eat dumplings again, thanks ah. to you. What was those. what was the non horror one that we or kind of horror the the one that we? Well, screened, there's comedy ones. The one that had the, the, oh, the, the <coughs> woman, wild tales. Wild tales. <coughs> wild tales was amazing, <coughs> and I'm pretty sure the only anthology film I ever liked where or I ever watched where I liked all of them. Usually, an anthology film is almost like, you know, sometimes a band you like will have one bad song on the album. Yeah. But wild tales, every one was just like. Either every cliche like edge of your seat or you know pulse pounding. Just the just, first fifteen minutes. Oh my god! Of that yeah, movie, I almost <laughs> yeah. crapped my pants. And then like the wedding nervous breakdown yeah. one was just amazing. I still haven't seen it, but oh I remember god. all the walkouts we had. Oh, so yeah. many we walkouts. showed it for like over a week or something. And yeah, there'd always be walk- there'd be angry walkouts too. And I think I've it's- still only seen bits and pieces. Oh. But yeah, like one, there a couple walked out, and I was outside changing the posters, and like the the guy like turned over to me and said, that, that's rubbish, that nah. movie's rubbish. And I think it falls under the category of people associate um, Oscar nominees with, like, a Merchant Ivory-type the, film. The, the form. Yeah. The, yeah. But even... They like, didn't know what they were getting into. Yeah, so you see a movie, and I believe Wild Tales was Oscar-nominated for Best Foreign Film, or, or it was at least the, the, um, the submission for Best Foreign mm-hmm. Film. So it had that tagged on the poster, and I'm sure it had some, some little... What's it had feathers. The little yeah. feathers that said, like, Sundance, little feathers that said con. So people see that, and they, I, a lot of people, the people who walk out of those kind of movies, don't research, and they just go, oh. And it's the same people who 20 years ago walked out of Pulp Fiction and mm. 40 years ago walked out of Midnight Cowboy. Like, it's nothing new, but yeah. it's, it's... They expect a prestigious yeah. film because of the actors involved. And Yeah. I find the walk like, I've... I'm a nerd, I so I've never... I love the walkouts. I love the walkouts. I've never walked out of anything. Like, and I almost feel like if I walk out of something, you've beat me, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. like, you're not better than me, horrible movie. 
You're not better than me, Michael Bay. I'm going to sit through this. I fall asleep sometimes, but I won't walk out. I'll yeah. just pass out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you've bored me to nap time. Yeah, I've never <laughs> fallen asleep during a movie, but I remember, remember when we did the 24-hour film festival? Well, I was working in Orleans at okay. the time, but Lee was like, uh, so I can't work this weekend. You're going to have to... I worked a double because yeah. he was like, I got to go work a double downtown yeah. Yeah. for this 24-hour fest. It was... In, in a perfect world where 325 people came out to that kind of thing, it's, a, it's an awesome idea. But the problem is not very many people came out. And I came, it's just past my bedtime, but I came to the first two because I really wanted to see the Vanilla Ice movie. <laughs> you really did. I really did. Like, it's just, it's just a legendary bad movie that I've never seen. And it's kind of, it's just fascinating to watch because you're like, like, somebody greenlit this. Somebody, mm. and whatever the budget was, like, I'm just making up the number, but somebody went... Like, and it was like a re- it was like, you know, like New Line Cinema said, yep, that's $12 million we want to spend. But then we screened one and it was about a little, little Sasquatch, little, little Bigfoot. Oh, the one with Meatloaf? Oh, yeah. With Meatloaf in it. The Yeti? To catch a Yeti? To catch a Yeti, something like that. And it's like a, you know, it was like a 75 minute long kids movie. And I am not exaggerating. I remember sitting up there and my brain had thought like an hour went past. And I looked at her clock, and it was like 12 minutes. Oh, and, and I just, like, sunk in my seat. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's, there's another hour and 10 minutes of this. And, uh, but I stuck through it. A, a wiser person would have just left and done something better with their time. But, no, I stuck through to the bitter end. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what it would take me to get me to walk out of. There, there's some movies that I was, I remember being so disappointed with Human Centipede. Besides for not really liking the film. Because it wasn't really about centipedes. Yeah, no, it wasn't about centipedes. But I was ready. I was like, I came to see it with, with my friends, uh, Sarah and John. And the three of us were like. Give like, me the grossest thing you've yeah. got. And yeah. we, I, I remember we, we picked up Sarah from work. She was working at a restaurant. So we picked her up at like, you know, 11 o'clock. And it was like a midnight screening or whatever. And we were like those little kids who were like, we're going to get on this roller coaster. And it's going to be, you know. And so we were ready. And we, we were, I was, I was just ready to see the grossest thing I'd ever seen. And. There's one shot of like, um, like I was gonna say an exacto blade, but like whatever the medical term for that, yeah. like going into flesh, but not really gross. And then the grossness of a human centipede. But even that, like, it was just a horror film. Like yeah. it was, it was two women get lost in the woods yeah. and there's a bag of. So, I didn't walk out of that though because I was just kind of like, oh well. But like, maybe it gets grosser. Yeah, is what I was thinking the whole time. But I remember when we screened on, on, on the, the scary theme, on the Halloween theme, uh, what was the one with um, Willem Dafoe that... Um, Antichrist. Antichrist. Antichrist, yeah. I that saw... That is like... Two women in the audience. You could feel the tension in the room at some point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're scared for life. Yeah. Like, like... It's a good movie, though. I've Very watched good that movie. movie. Yeah. I have it. I've, yeah. I've watched it a couple of times. I still have not managed to watch that scene with my oh. eyes open. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So there's a scene, spoiler alert, where there's some self-afflicted there's castration. Some, like, castration. Genital injuries. Yeah. Genital injuries. <laughs> to put and, it mildly. And it's there on the <clears throat> screen. Like, it's there. Yeah. And two women in the crowd... Like left? I don't know if they left, but they screamed. Like scream, screamed, and like kind of like nightmare inducing, I'm never going back to this place yeah. again, kind of, you know. And like it's oh. it's it's the you know, it's 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 the the power of film, right? Like we all know it's fake, we all know we're in a safe place, we all know we're just sitting in a room with a bunch of people watching a movie, but yeah, but they set it up in such a way that you sort of Yeah. You're there. 
And even even The Shining, I remember watching, the last time I watched The Shining was during our whole forward, backward Shining thing. Mm -hmm. And The Shining, which um, everybody, you you can't spoil The Shining. Like, like the movie's so much, it's almost like you, you can't spoil Wizard of Oz. You can't spoil, you know, like, like it's a wonderful life. Everybody yeah. knows. At these this things. point in time, if you're going to see it, you sort of know what you're getting into. Yeah, you don't go in blind. Yeah, if you're going to see a Christmas Carol, you're pretty sure that Scrooge <laughs> is good at the end, right? Like, but, at the very least, that it has to do with Christmas. Yeah, but there was a scene, it, one one of the Jack scenes, and when he's like coming through the door with the axe, and a woman, and it's all a woman screamed, and then there's that kind of scream, and then. Laugh, you know, like when you see a movie like that in, mm -mm. with an audience. But, you know, you would think that you know what's coming nowadays for a 40 year old horror film, but it still gets people. Yeah. Like it's still, even if you've seen it before sometimes, it can still get you. Um, but that's why it's like a friend of mine will not watch horror films. Like, like he doesn't get it. Like, and it's the same thing as like people say, like, why do you go on a roller coaster or why do you, you know, like, why, why do you bother? And it's like, there's something about a horror film for me that it's just, it's fun, and, and it, it's... I like being scared. Yeah, and you're scared and you're safe, right? Like, you're, yeah. you're not... And it's even way safer than something actually heroic or brave, like mountain climbing or, or bungee jumping. Because sitting in the theater, you're pretty sure nothing bad's going to happen. I shouldn't happen. say being scared. That sounds like, uh, like I have... I don't really ever have anything wrong in my life, you know. Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty safe all of the time. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like, I really like having the heebie-jeebies, like that excited, yeah, yeah. like, ooh, something could happen. Yeah, and ki and I like and kids too. That's why, like, movies or even like back when I when I was a kid, it was this era of like PG-13 horror. So stuff that kind of you might not think of as horror right away, but you know, like Gremlins or. Um, uh, uh, Monster Squad, stuff like that. And kids, not all kids, but kids like that kind of, like even yeah. Ni Nightmare Before Christmas or, or um, Paranorman, kids like that kind of stuff too, which, is, which I think is fun. Kid, kids can get Never in on it. Never-ending story. Yeah, e even stuff that you don't think of as scary, but I remember, like say, like Return of the Jedi, like the scene where yeah. Luke Skywalker goes into Jabba's palace, and I was like, you know, five, yeah. I was terrified. And, and my, my little dumb brain didn't go like, yeah, Luke's not going to die, you know? But, like, it's you, you... Kids can get into that scariness as well. Yeah. And especially because they keep on making these scary kid movies and they, they keep making more, so somebody's going to see them. And, like, Halloween specials and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there is something about seeing... Like, so last night I watched Cooties. And I don't know what our attendance was, but it seemed like a really good crowd. And... There was a group. It was about 60 people. Yeah, 60, 60 people. Or maybe a little bit less than that. No, there was definitely less than that. But yeah. um, I don't know, like 40 people? Yeah. And, and, and there was a group of, and I don't know if they're listening, I don't know. I, I, I say kids. There was a group of kids behind me, but they might have been, like <laughs> been like 25. I don't know. But they really they liked the over movie. over 14, I promise. Yeah, they're over 14. And they weren't annoying, but like every gag they laughed at and every scare they jumped at. And they were like the perfect horror movie crowd, you know. And at the end, people clapped, and and so like, and I put on Facebook a little tag of like, like Cooties is the perfect example that movies need to be seen on the big screen with an audience. Because if I had watched Cooties this afternoon on you know Blu-ray at home, or just like right now, if we were watching yeah, it right now, I would have still liked it, but I wouldn't have had that yeah you're, feeling. It's it's fun to enjoy a movie vicariously through someone else even if you're not enjoying it as much as they are yeah their enjoyment kind of 
adds, adds to, to it. it. Yeah. And, and like um, concert movies, same thing. Um, like watching Stop Making Sense here is way better than watching it at home. Or a comedy is infectious. Like I'm looking forward to watching uh, Trainwreck next week because mm-hmm. um, I love, I'm, I'm a big fan of Judd Apatow. And I admit I'm not really familiar with Amy Schumer just because I haven't seen her show yet. Oh, she's really funny. But I've seen her on Letterman and I've seen, so I, I know she's funny. So, yeah. But I know that movie is going to be better with, even if it's only like 20 people, it's better to see with a crowd than mm-hmm. sitting at home alone because because laughter is infectious and just kind of being out, being part of something instead of staying at home. Same with like concerts. People who go see like NAC Orchestra, mm-hmm. you could just listen to it at home on an album, but being or there... Or you could watch it with 300 other people and then yeah. experience the applause afterwards. After, you know, yeah. like all of that stuff is amazing. Yeah. So, so getting on topic, we just mentioned Trainwreck. Mm-hmm. We have that coming up next week. Um, this week, I got tomorrow. Guys, starting this week, guys, yeah. <laughs> what is it? Starting well, October 2nd. It's it's Thursday, so... Thursday, October 1st. If it's, you know, on your end of the, uh, the podcast universe, yeah, it is tomorrow. And so this is the movie uh, directed by Judd Apatow. Written and starring Amy Schumer. Written. And, and she has sole writing credit. I thought yeah. it was co-written, but it's all written by her. She's writing something right now with um, somebody famous. Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're writing something, which is really cool. So that movie's going to... Is it a buddy cop movie or something? Uh, I don't know anything about it. All I know is that it'll, knowing uh, Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. what she's <laughs> like, and knowing what Amy yeah. Schumer's like, it's probably going to be really filthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Judd Apatow, I've been a fan. Uh, so the, the, the two failed TV shows, Freaks and Geeks. That's not a failed TV show. Well, no, it's an amazing <laughs> it's, TV show. It's a really show. good show. It fails because society betrayed us <laughs> and yeah. didn't watch it. It didn't get ratings. And then Undeclared. And, and luckily, we live in a world where, where he and Paul Feig have been given second or third chances after, mm-hmm. after financial or critic, not critical, um, ratings failures, because then they kind of... Because they got cult followings, those shows. Yeah. You know. And then Judd did uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked mm-hmm. Up and produced Bridesmaids, and now Paul Feig is doing Ghostbusters, and he did Spy, so they're both very successful yep. now. Um, and so this is, I think... Trainwreck is kind of a semi-autobiographical tale about Amy Schumer, mm-hmm. and it's just filled with cool actors. Uh, and of course, and I couldn't help but comment on it on Facebook. Um, LeBron James in his role mm-hmm. before Space Jam Two. <laughs> and so yeah, so that, that we have that coming up next week, and then our other movie we have um, a Walk in the Woods yeah. with uh, Nick, <laughs> Nick Nolte. Which grizzled, is, grizzled old Nick Nolte. Which essentially seems like... And an, Robert Redford, who's not quite as grizzled. It's an odd couple movie, I guess, right? Yeah. It's yeah. essentially like odd couple in the woods. Well, it's based on a book, right? Like a, a real nonfiction? Yeah. Bill Bryson's Walk in the Woods. And the cast is crazy, because it's got Robert... Emma Thompson. Yeah. Emma Thompson. So you got three Oscar winners slash nominees there. And then also um, Nick Offerman's in it. Mm-hmm. And Chris, he's, he's grizzled. Uh, I love Nick Offerman, and then uh, Kristen Schaal's in it, who's really she's b- really good too. Oh, I yeah, love Kristen. She's really funny. She's Mel on Flight uh, <laughs> of the Concords, <laughs> and she's on quite a role. She's doing nothing but she, Mel the Stalker on yeah. <laughs> Flight of the Concords. And then we have uh, Mission to Lars for the one. The only other female Mel in like ever. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> 
I get emails all the time that are like, dear Mr. Boyer. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, no. They picture you as like this uh, fat, balding, like 50-year-old. Basically. Uh, Mel. Yeah. What's the Melvin. full name for male Mel? Melanie. Melvin. 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 Oh, Mel- Melvin. Oh, I thought you meant female. Yeah. No, no, Melvin, yeah. Melvin, Melville, I don't know. Mel- Melvin, yeah. I don't know. We Melvin. Were, we were talking about that because I'm pretty sure Josh doesn't have a female. Joshua. Or no, jo- jo- yeah. Oh, yeah, that's for males. A female, yeah, yeah. Joshua is the full Joshua. name. Joshua. I, I, every time my friends have a kid, I joke, I'm like, if it's a boy, Josh. If it's a girl, Joshina. Joshina. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my friends, it caught her just the right way, and she's like, that almost sounds good. Like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. Do it, do it. <laughs> um, That's uh, funny. Uh, no, what were you we saying? Mission to Lars. Yes. Uh, which looks like a... I overheard earlier. Very heartfelt rock and roll documentary about um, a man with... It doesn't feel heartfelt, based no. on what I heard anyway. No. There's a lot of uh, He's got Metallica. Like, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the soundtrack is Metallica, so... Yeah. So it's, it's a man with a uh, learning disability who's... But he also has something with his, with his hearing, I think. Yeah. He has to wear headphones. And his dream is to meet Metallica. Or Lars Ulrich. Or Lars Ulrich specifically. So this is a... And they go to, like, great pains to do so. They hit the road and yeah. follow them on tour and everything. And... and it's like a rock and roll quest kind of a movie where we follow along with our characters trying to see if they have their dream come true. I love Bat-Kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sort of. And I find these documentaries, even if you're the most, like, I don't know, even if you're the most, like, jaded sort, a film like this where, again, you're, I haven't seen it yet, I don't know, but you're pretty sure there's going to be some form of a happy ending, yeah. it gets me. Like, yeah. like, I get choked up. Like, you know, you're pretty sure Bat-Kid's going to turn out okay for everybody in Bat-Kid. And if you're not emotionally knocked over by the stuff in these kind of documentaries, there's, you should go get yourself checked out. Check yourself, so, yeah. some, 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 something might be Something might be wrong. <laughs> Um, and that's one night only. One night only. Just, uh, Friday? Friday. Friday at Friday 9. Friday at 9 p.m. And that's it. That's it. That's, that's all your you only get. chance to see it. Um, and then we have Partizan. Which looks excellent. Yeah. With Vincent Cassell. Vincent Cassell. What was Vincent Cassell's big breakthrough? Um, he was in... Well, he's in Irreversible. He's in um, uh, Eastern Promises. A lot of messed up oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of dark stuff. I don't think he's in any, like, nice light... Romantic comedy. He played that M- Montreal famous bank robber, Mezzarine. Oh, there yeah. There were, like, two oh. films about that. Yeah, that was good, too. Yeah. Um, and this one he plays, uh, like, a, is he a cult leader? Or no, he's, like, a, he's well, like the father of a, he's, like, a patriarch in this co- commune. It's a commune. And he yeah. raises all his sons to be, like, killers, basically. Well, it just, it sounds like, um, uh, Utah type situation like he's the, he's the husband and he has a lot yeah, of wives like, and he teaches the sons how in to a like very hunt specific and way and you know he has all all of these rules for his like family I think it's I don't want to call it a family because I don't know what they call it but you know I think but it's, it's like a commune type yeah. situation yeah. but really messed up and he, he basically teaches them to be assassins or something the, like the trailer cult. makes me think of of Oliver like, but instead of teaching kids to steal, <laughs> it's teaching kids to be assassins. Like yeah. that, that's, that, that would have been my, like, Hollywood pitch. Like, it's Oliver meets the professional. Like, Whoa. no music, though. No music, yeah. But that, that's what the trailer made me think of. Like, it, it seemed like a guy teaching a band of kids to be assassins. Yeah. And then they're brainwashed. But it's not an action movie. No, no. It's, like it's not a, like, like Hannah. Like, yeah. a, like a 
polyamorous cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten rave reviews from everybody yep. who's uh, on the kind of the festival circuit. Um, yeah, it was a polyamorous big, uh, abusive cult. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of film festivals, I guess. But it looks, it looks, um, it, it yeah. Looks, it looks awesome. Yeah, the trailer's really good. The poster's really striking. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not like a regular generic yeah. looking poster. And then we have uh, another, just bring it back just for one more show. We're squeezing it in. I think we would have maybe squeezed it in for more, but just we have a bunch of rentals and stuff this weekend. It's an interesting week, yeah. But we have uh, Shaun the Sheep just coming back for one family matinee. Um, Sunday the, what I is that? Fourth of this, and it looks really good. It's really, really good. Really funny. Yes. I saw it last weekend. I, I watched, I, I, I switched shifts with Andrew so I could watch Batman Mask of <laughs> Phantasm, and then I watched Shaun the Sheep as well. And it's, it's by the geniuses who did uh, Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. So a lot of the same producers and animators and directors of that. And they also did uh, Chicken Run and Pirates and all kinds of... The, one really genius thing they did, which I'm sure you could find on the internet in about two seconds, is um, they did a series uh, about animals in a zoo called Creature Comforts. And what they did was they recorded interviews with kids and, and people around London about stuff, just about going to school, about doing the laundry, about their husband annoying them. And then they animated that as animals in the zoo. Oh, God. So it's like polar bears and pandas and whatever. And it's the best. And it's like like this little kid animated as a polar bear just talking about stuff little four-year-olds talk about. So you talk about, like, his train set and his mother polar bears in the Amazing. background, like, rolling her eyes. Genius idea. It sounds like Marcel this child. Was yeah, I just saw that at the animation fest. Oh actually, God. yeah, that was really That's my good. Favorite thing, uh, but it's it's old school stop motion claymation animation. No dialogue. No dialogue. Just which, noises and sound effects. Which I didn't realize going in that it's essentially a silent film. All all the people just kind of grunt and yeah, they just go. Rrr, 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 yeah, rrr, rrr. and then the sheep are just sheep. And so, except for kind of like you know, like the the banner on a newspaper or, or on a bus, there's no. English, English or anything in it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's really good. Really, and the kids really liked it when the when I came to see it. It was a decent crowd full of kids, and they all really liked it. And so yeah, so and Batman did well. Batman did well. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy Batman did well. So that day, so last Saturday, I mean, we would always like 300 people to be here, but we broke 50 people for Batman and Shaun the Sheep. We had like 70 people for the seven and nine o'clock shows. And then we had 100... I just remember because the day was so crazy. We had 115 for the room. Yeah. And, and that was on top of it being a football day, which often scares people out of the oh neighborhood. Oh, God. Out of... Yeah. So it was a nice day. And especially like with Batman, uh, it, it, it's always a little bit risky playing older stuff. So when 50-plus when people show up on a day when maybe a bit more would have showed up if it was a normal Saturday, mm-hmm. That just encourages that hopefully next year we can do another Batman day, you know? Yeah. So And showing two kids' movies back-to-back and doing okay with both, that's even better. Mm-hmm. So That was a very 90s movie. I only saw... Yeah. Like, I saw bits of it, but I noticed at the end it's got that... Oh, it's the got end, that, yeah. that theme song that's like a ballad with saxophone mm-hmm. and it's sung by Tia Carrera. Yeah. And it's really bad. Yeah, it's and like, it's like, oh, this is so 90s. And, and it's so like, and the whole movie is this like beautiful orchestral score and dark and gothic. And you can just tell that Warner Brothers was like, like, what are they, like the synergy, right? Like, we have Tia Carrera under contract. She needs to do a pop song in a movie. Uh, you guys. And they're like, oh, okay. And it, it has nothing, you listen to the song and it's not talking about 
heroics or vigilanteism like, or anything. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least when, when they forced on uh, MC Hammer songs to all the songs in the 90s, it was like an Adams Family rap, you know? That's at, true. At, least yeah. they, at least there was some effort to, the, the, to, to have some, some cohesion. That was to big the in the 90s, forcing uh, whoever, was, whoever was hot at the time, forcing them to do yeah. a soundtrack song, even though it wasn't appropriate for the film. Yeah, because yeah, you know. it was the days of, like, music videos and, and, yeah. and you know, when, when artists were cross-promoting much more. Vanilla Ice and, Vanilla, and yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Exactly, too. yeah, yeah. Building a whole sequence around them. It's so funny. My friend and I were just talking about this because it's it's... We were young in the age of that, and we remember going to see Adam's Family and both looking at each other, dramatic pause, and laughing as the Adams Family rap started playing. And a little while after that, we went to see Schindler's List. And we went to see it. And, and, and the it was, MC Hammer song for that movie. Exactly, yeah. And we said, like, go to see that movie. We saw it at the Somerset. And it was just like, it was like leaving a funeral. Like, when the credits were rolling, everybody sat and watched, like, MC all the Hammer yeah. doing his But then we left. And the next day, we were joking about that. We were like, can you imagine if Hollywood and, like, Spielberg fighting with him and saying, no, I'm not doing that in my movie. And, like, MC Hammer doing, like, a rap over the end credits of, like, Schindler's <laughs> List. List. Yeah. Schindler's and, List. And, but it's just crazy enough that Hollywood would have an idea like that, you know? But, yeah, because in, in, the, in the early to mid-90s, every single horror movie, comedy, whatever, had a rap song yeah. attached mm-hmm. to it. And they were always... And you look at them now and you're like, wow. Like, like and yeah, in and, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Vanilla Ice was like in the movie. Rugrats had a rap. Rugrats had a rap. I wonder who did it. Man. I forget. It used to play on the radio, but like. Yeah. What other inappropriate? Oh, it was Mia, I think. Man. Remember when, like. Or when, Aaliyah? Yeah. And that's what it was. It was like whoever. I remember close to this, but at the end of the more recent um, Alice in Wonderland Alice, Disney put out a soundtrack of Alice in Wonderland. So they had, like, the Danny Elfman score, and then they had, like, the soundtrack of, of music. But the catch is it's Alice in Wonderland, so it takes place whatever year it takes place, like, I don't know, 1800-something, right? So there's no pop music in it. And then the end credits, they, they just squeezed in, like, four songs. And then by doing that, they are able to say music from and inspired by... And one of them was an Avril Lavigne song, who I guess is owned by Disney. They really should just say forced on, music forced yeah. on to. And it's just like, especially when it has nothing to do with the movie, you know, like, like it just seems so shameful. And I'm like, do people buy that? Do people go up and be like, oh yeah, I liked I'm Alice. i the Cinderella soundtrack. Yeah. And you look at the completely opposite end of the coin, uh, a movie like Scott Pilgrim or Pulp Fiction, where the music is, is part of the is film, so yeah. part of the film mm-hmm. that it, it's always a shame to just think that they're like, here's here's our artist. You have to put six of them on your soundtrack, and you know you have no choice. Like yeah. that's part of our thing. I'm, I'm God. I'm, I'm. It's all coming back to me now. Remember Spider Man One, where Macy Gray was in it, yeah. <laughs> and that just seemed like, and I remember her like I love Spider Man, but that very kind of poorly. Acting and, and I, if I remember correctly, she kind of like pointed and went like Spider Man or something. But you're just like, that's because I and bet then, you like, like cut to yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <That's> joke. <laughs> but I bet just because she's <laughs> under Sony yeah contracts, it's like cross her. promotion. Yeah, uh, her career. Yeah, where she's, she's yeah, she's she doesn't done. Use it anymore. Uh, 
Uh, last but not least, I guess uh, oh, yeah. I hesitate to talk about this because I feel like it's going to sell out for sure. Yeah. So I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. But yeah. also <laughs> at the same time. This changes everything, which I admit I knew nothing about, but you are a fan. <laughs> of, That's okay. Like, I, I, I didn't know. Um, so Naomi Klein, yeah. who has written a handful a of books. A bunch of books. bunch of books. Uh, they, she, her and her partner, A.B. Lewis, have also... They made another movie that came out a while ago called The Take. Okay. Which is, I think that was inspired by No Logo. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a book about how bad corporations are. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. So is this a environmental this movie? This is about climate change. Right, yeah. yeah. And the impact that it's having across the world. And so the, the, the shtick at the Mayfair for our presentation of this is that they are doing um, a book tour. And I know because they, they retweeted, so I saw, like, she's, she's in, like, six or seven cities yeah. in a week. She's, so she's Canadian, which yeah. is, like, a big part of the reason why I'm, like, a super fan. Yeah. So um, she's here. She and the director are here on the 4th, and that's why it's a little bit of a weird scheduling. So it's we're having, like, almost like a sneak preview here on the 4th, and then our normally She's engagement. only going to be here on the 4th. Yeah, yeah, only here on the 4th. And then if you miss that, you can come back and see it normally on the following Friday and Saturday. So there'll, there'll probably be people coming to the other regular screenings going like, where's Naomi Oh, for Klein? sure, yeah. Although, there will be some organizations here to chat okay. and give out information for the yeah. entire week that it's playing. Um, but if you wanted to chat with Naomi Klein, it's only on the 4th. Yeah, and it's, um, and again, like I said, I was naive to it, but the amount of, of, Twitter and email and Facebook and in-person questions about it. Gives me hope for the human race. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, oh, you do care. That's nice. Yeah, hey, yeah. Ottawa. And uh, MC Hammer does <laughs> and MC yeah. Hammer. at the end of it. Yeah. Oh, the man, climate change. That'd be awesome. But it's weird. I noticed it's weird, I guess. So it's tagged. Back in the day, executive producer of a film actually meant somebody who was like the boss of a film. Now, often, executive producer just means somebody who gave us some money or somebody whose name kind of helps, or it could mean somebody who's actually involved. So it's weird, because this movie has, like, it says, the two names that caught my eye is executive producer Danny Glover and executive producer Seth MacFarlane. And then there was a couple other ones as well. I wonder if, like, in these situations, and not to say that Naomi Klein doesn't pull her own weight, but yeah. like, do you, do you, and this applies to other movies mostly. Like, yeah. do, do people just like, hey, Josh, do you want to put your name on my movie so that I have extra pull? Because you're so. my friend. Yeah. But you don't necessarily have to contribute all that much. I, I think just so. Want your name. Because like back in the day, like when, and you see it too, like where it used to be there was like a writer, a producer, and executive producer. And, like, that's it. Like, credits used to be much shorter, and whether that's fair or unfair. Whereas now you go to any given movie, especially, like, a Hollywood movie, and there's, like, 12 executive producers, mm -hmm. and then, like, 12 co-producers, and then, like, 12 producers. And the majority of those people, the majority of those people probably don't do very much. No. And, and so that's very different. And, and same in television, where you see an executive producer slapped on something. It might not necessarily mean anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious what their involvement is, because... I am very much not a fan of Seth MacFarlane's animation. Yeah. Um, but then he will do interesting things. Like yeah. he executive produced the Cosmos series for Fox with yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson. And then now he's doing this. So it seems that despite his kind of raunchy animation nature, he 
is using his name in a good way yeah. to kind of do other things. And, you know, if, I don't know, whatever, if Family Guy gets 10 million viewers and then maybe a Family Guy fan sees his name attached to this, mm-hmm. they might come in. Yeah, it's like a form of promotion. Yeah. Having their name on it for sure. Yeah. Not, not w- whether they actually did anything or not. Yeah. is besides the point. But yeah, in this case, I bet you they were probably just names who either contributed financially. Like, you can be smart and not be funny. Yes. And I think that's maybe what it is with Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I, I don't like Family Guy either. No. I really don't. But. I used to watch it, and then it, it got, and I've used this word before, and I apologize, but it's the only word that really gets across the, the nature. It's a little too rapey for me, you know? Yes. <laughs> like it's, it's, and, I, and I hate to use that word, but it gets across my, what I'm trying to say is that they're doing this purposeful, dark, dark humor. Yeah. And sometimes you can get away, you do it once and you kind of laugh and, oh, that's, that's, that, that's, you're working blue. But now, he's, but he's divers- this, diversifying now by doing non-rapey things. Like y- yeah, <laughs> trying to help people. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but yeah, so it's interesting that he's involved in this documentary. Yeah. And so we, but we've had people, I'm going to be out of town, but I'm, I wish I was here because I, I think it's going to be, for better or for worse, it's going to be a madhouse, I think. I, <laughs> so. I'm expecting a zoo. I'm expecting a zoo. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I hope I get 30 seconds to, yeah. like, try not to pee my pants and say hi. Yeah. And then it'll just be, like, making sure as many people can do the same as possible. Yeah. Because in the past, I mean, I was just chatting about um, Max Brooks dropping by mm-hmm. with a friend of mine. And I said I got to chat with him a bit just before his Q&A started. And he's the nicest guy in the world. And if you're a film nerd, you're just kind of talking to him. And he's like, I am a writer. I'm this, And your brain goes, oh, your dad is super famous, you know. And, and your mom. And your mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in his case, he was super nice, autographed everybody, you know. We've had very good luck, uh, you know. Tommy Wiseau is the most eccentric guy in the world, but very nice to his fans. And... Um, so we've had pretty good luck. Same thing, Crispin Glover. Uh, I don't really have many complaints about yeah, anybody. Yeah. I'd, like I said, I think in one of the previous podcasts, when Crispin Glover sent us his writer, yeah. I almost lost my mind because it was yeah. very long and very yeah. specific. But in the end, like that worked to his advantage and everything yeah. went really smoothly and he's so nice. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Does anyway. Naomi Klein have a writer? Not that I know. No, yeah. they want a table to be able to do the signing and a microphone to be able to chat, but... Uh, That's no, ridiculous. No red spotlights, <laughs> no green M&Ms or anything like that. How dare they? That. They'll get uh, no microphone and they'll They like want it. non-bottled water, which makes absolute sense considering the premise of yeah, the book yeah. and the movie. Um, okay, so I think, I think we've successfully talked about everything this week. We'll wrap it up again. Um, I'm going out of town this weekend to go watch a Doug Loves Movies taping in Toronto. Yeah. Oh, nice. So I hope to come back next week with news with that Doug? I am the best friend in the world with Doug and he's going to come to the Mayfair. Um, we're getting our name tags ready. And uh, so yeah, hopefully we'll have some fun news next week of me getting to say hi to Doug Benson and convince him to come visit us at the Mayfair sometime. Yeah, that'd be cool. Cool. Okay. Uh, Yay. So check us out at mayfairtheater.ca and at Mayfair Theater on Twitter and Instagram, Go Facebook. Go eat some pierogies at House of Targ. House of Targ. We're serving no. up pierogies at uh, Bo's Oktoberfest this weekend oh. if you're going that way. Oh, do, nice. Do that. And they're now open Wednesdays. Yeah. And audible.com, audibletrial.com slash Mayfair Theater Podcast where you can get a free audiobook. Go listen of to something. Go listen to the uh, Jim Henson biography. 
and see if it passes the uh, crying while doing the dishes test that it did with <laughs> yeah. me. There's a billion books of movies on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so happy Halloween month. We'll be back next week to talk about more cool Halloween stuff. Okay, bye. Right, bye. bye, everybody.